0: Well, good day to our listeners here at the Middle of the Podcast. My name is Jim Nelson. And again, I will be your host for the next 15 minutes or so as we talk through the Word of God together, centered around our previous Sunday sermon at our own local church. And this production is a digital ministry of that local church, Living Word Church in Oak Harbor, Washington. So, first thing I want to address is do you need to be a member based on what I said? of our church to get something out of this middle podcast? Well, the answer is no. So I'm glad you found us online and just know that our ultimate goal is to insert some of the applications and the lessons that we heard from last Sunday into the middle of our busy and complicated and crowded weeks to help us embody and live out what we learned. That's our goal, whether you join us regularly or not, and I hope that it is helpful This fall, we have been talking through biblical parallels, so basically looking at those teachings of Jesus that have a reference to, or a pattern from, or an illusion in the older scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament, or some might say the ancient Israelite scriptures. The whole purpose is kind of twofold. First and foremost, our aim is to draw us, the listener and the host, closer to the nature and character of Christ to fuel growth by highlighting the depth of what he has been doing and ushering in the kingdom of God. And hopefully this depth and this growth encourages us to be his image, to be his hands and feet in our community, not only because we know more, but because we love our neighbors. That all makes sense? That's the first one. Second one, I just think it's a great way to get into our Old Testament. I love the Old Testament many of these parallels are either direct stories or quotes or some paraphrases. Some are even settings or themes that are just consistent throughout the story of God and ancient Israel. So, in the Old Testament, much, much of the time, these don't come with happy endings, right? I guess I'll kind of summarize it like that, but that doesn't mean they don't add nuance and richness to the story of Jesus and his mission. And even Jesus tells us, That very directly as to why the Old Testament should be a part of our scriptural reading and study and us looking back at it through parallels. And this is from uh, Luke 24, 44 through 45. He says, "...everything I told you while I was with you comes to this. All the things written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and in the writings have to be fulfilled." He went on to show their understanding of the Scriptures. So we have to ask the question, what was Jesus referring to? Was it the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Was it the book of Revelation? Was it the letters of Paul? Nope. None of that had happened yet, or it was happening as he was on this earth. It was being lived out as he spoke. So it wasn't that. It was what we now have as the first two-thirds of our Bibles, the Old Testament. That's what he was doing, fulfilling all of that right in front of their eyes. So let's get this rolling. If you listen, with the Bible in hand or you take notes, we'll be in John 21, and we're going to talk about numbers as a parallel reference in Scripture, so here we go. John 21 is a story that takes place after Jesus has been resurrected, and he's continuing to disciple and show his followers what it means to live out the kingdom of God's principles. The story starts, and the risen Jesus is not with the group of disciples at that point, Peter. I picture him as being very antsy or bored or impatient. I don't know, all of these characteristics seem to fit Peter. He just declares, you know what, I'm going fishing. So that's what he did. That's what he was good at. So in this lull of time that they were experiencing at the beginning of John 21, that's what he's going to go do. He's going to go fishing. So many of the other disciples like the idea, they set out on the water. They fish all night, they catch nothing. Sounds like almost every one of my personal fishing trips. I was stationed in Jacksonville, Florida in the late 90s and had a friend with a boat. I'm not sure how many times we went out fishing. I'd have to ask Kristen to see if she could kind of quantify it, just how much we were out. But let's just say it was a lot of times. In all of that, so hours and hours and hours of fishing, I caught, are you ready for this? One small bass, just one. So I can easily relate with the disciples' frustration as the sun rose that morning following a fruitless night of fishing. Anyway, they see Jesus out on the beach. He hollers out at them, how's the fishing? They say they've been skunked, and Jesus responds by telling them to throw the net over to the other side. They do and jackpot. They haul in 153 large fish. So, it's a great story. Peter and some of the disciples have a- actually been through an experience like this earlier in Jesus's ministry, but what is important to us today is the the conversation that Jesus and Peter had after breakfast. So let's pick it up in verse 15. It says, when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend to my sheep. And then Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. All right. Well, I said earlier we were talking about numbers this week in Scripture. We're, really, we're just focused on one number ultimately, but the number, and that's the number three, and what this might mean in this conversation to deeper our understanding of what Jesus was doing there on that beach with Peter after breakfast. Personally, I've been aware of the significance and symbolism of specific numbers in the scriptures for quite some time now. I can't pinpoint when I was first told or made aware of that, but I I have to admit to you today, I've never really been too interested in learning about this part of what we'll call a parallel today. But this week, I got interested after listening to Pastor Amy's sermon and rereading John 21 came to the three-time repeated question, do you love me? And the three-time repeated command, feed my sheep. I just had to know what this was all about. So first, a little background. I guess just kind of approaching the significance of numbers as a whole. There is some obvious ones that pop up a lot of times. The number seven, for example, it represents completeness or fullness. And in the sense of our scripture, complete in its divinely designed purpose. It's doing what it's supposed to do, to kind of put it simply. This symbolism starts all the way back in Genesis 1 with the seven-day creation story. Verse 2 says basically the world was chaotic and empty, so in six days God orders it and fills it. He rests on the last day, of course, and out of that work we have completeness and fullness in the purpose of earth and its inhabitants chaos and emptiness turn into order and purpose in those seven days. So, for example, if I'm reading through the Gospel of John and I note that Jesus said seven I am statements, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, and so on, can I look back and see a parallel to the seven-day creation story? Recall the undoing of the completeness and fullness of creation from Genesis 3 throughout the Old Testament, right? Humankind just basically falls apart back into chaos and disorder all the way through the Old Testament. And then see Jesus come on the scene and start a renewal. See the pattern, disorder and empty at the beginning. God works to establish order and purpose. Humankind undoes the order and purpose. Jesus steps into this story, and we see him go about reordering priorities and giving purpose to life lived out in the kingdom of God. So, that's just a quick example around the number seven. Another number that is well known, and we'll go through this one very quickly, is the number six. It is just one less than seven, so that means it is incomplete. It represents or symbolizes incompleteness. So, we could all probably recall the number 666, certainly not A number in our culture of encouragement at all, but I want to show you something with that. But phrases, words, and numbers that are repeated, when they're repeated, it just adds intensity, adds intensity. So, if six means incomplete, six, six, six means completely incomplete or utterly incomplete. This is actually used in the book of Revelation as an encouragement to those living in the last of the first century, the second century, and third century, as the oppression is just building and building. I mean, some people have lived a lifetime and never experienced anything but that. But this is actually John kind of prodding back at the devil saying, you know what, he's not only incomplete, he's completely incomplete. He's a fake. He's not the real thing. So those are just a couple of primers to get us to this point. I want to talk about the number three and what it means to this conversation between Jesus and Peter. Three times, do you love me? Three times, yes, you know I love you, Lord. And then three times, feed my sheep. All right, now let's try to make sense of this number. Through a ton of reading that I've done this week, and keep in mind, I came to this with very little knowledge or interest in the subject. But from the big picture aspect of it, it also means completeness, but with this nuance of restorative and and brought into synchronization with a purpose. Something that was once broken and not in line with its purpose, but now is. That's the kind of completeness this represents, where the seven represents divine completeness, like it is doing what it's supposed to do. I'll go back to Genesis chapter one to show you The use of three in the seven-day creative process. I know it's a lot of numbers, but okay, let me say that again. I'll go back to Genesis 1 to show you the use of three in God's seven-day creative process that I think we can really find a really good example of this restorative and synchronizing of purpose. I, I give all credit to the Bible Project on this one. They have a great video Detailing what God did in those days, and so I'll recommend it to you. It's a it's appropriately called Genesis One on their website at bibleproject.com. But to summarize, they break down the seven days into two, three days of work, and then of course one day of rest. In each of these three days of work, God is at work ordering the chaos in the first or in three of them, not the first three, but in three of them, and then it's days one, three, and five, the odd days and then filling the empty creation in the other, the even days, 2, 4, and 6. Basically taking something that was unlivable without purpose and restoring. And I don't think that really even is an accurate word to use because this being the original creation story, there was nothing to restore. So I'm, what I'm going to try to do is leave the re off and restore. So he was storing initially. And I think that might work because think of it like a storage closet in a brand new house you just moved into. It's not necessarily chaotic, I get it, but it's certainly not fulfilling its purpose and it's empty. You then go about storing your closet, making it do what it is designed to do. You order and fill your currently useless closet with sheets and towels and pillow covers and suddenly it is complete in that it has been restored to its original or designed purpose and it's full. Now, if you want to just keep that story going throughout the rest of the Old Testament, that closet gets really messy again, and then Jesus steps in to restore that closet. It's kind of on the fly, but I think it works. Just remove the re. But the whole point to this original two sets of three days of ordering and storing, everything else that follows behind it, or later on in the story then, will be to restore and refill, and that's what Jesus is doing. Okay, So back to Peter. As Pastor Amy pointed out this past Sunday, Peter has had a rough few weeks. On that Friday when Jesus was being crucified, Peter denied that he knew him three times. There's another three. It just had to crush him. I had to imagine it just absolutely crushed him. Peter has always been kind of an impulsive, quick to react and been corrected by Jesus. But this has to be his lowest moment. He has denied him just as Jesus told Peter he would. And he's been living with that for a while until we get to this breakfast, most likely a very low couple of weeks. And through the three times repetition, we get to see Jesus's restoration of relationship with Peter and the ordering of what Peter will do living out that relationship, feeding his sheep. So, I'll just bring this to a conclusion with one question is there a practical application to this story for believers and those seeking to follow Christ in 2021? And the answer is absolutely. And I think we can break it down, get ready for this, into another two sets of three. First, the three questions, do you love me? Jesus is seeking from all of us, Peter in this story, and then each of us in our stories today, he is seeking a relationship with him, a deep and genuine, real relationship. Now, We can talk all fall about parallels. We can talk about threes and sevens and sixes in the Bible. We can build all this knowledge without the relationship. And what do we get? Maybe a chance on Jeopardy or a really good trivial pursuit player. But the pursuit we need to be concerned of most of all is Jesus's pursuit of us. I found a really good article from Pastor Stephen Cole, who served the Flagstaff area for a long, long, long time. He said, To serve Christ effectively first— Let him minister to you. We've all got junk. Peter's got junk. Whether we're a long-time Christ follower, short-time Christ follower, we've all got our Peter-like failures, right? Will we swallow our pride, be humble, and allow Jesus to minister to us through his word and his spirit to restore that relationship in order that we may be in harmony with his mission? And that leads us right into the last set of threes, the command, feed my sheep. Through that command, repeated three times, Jesus restores Peter's harmony with his mission as an apostle of the good news. And if harmony is a difficult word to picture, I agree, it is kind of, use agreement. Peter coming to a point where he says, yes, despite my pitfalls, despite my failures, I believe that the mission you have for me is here and now, and let's get going. Let's do this, despite not knowing how it's going to play out. We say it kind of regularly in various episodes, this answer to what am I to do? What is Jesus calling me to do? I think the answer is to accept the encouragement and invitation from Jesus to come into agreement, to love God, to love others, to witness, to tell your story, to tell the story of Jesus, and tell the story of how these two are connected in your life. And then finally, to disciple, to teach by words and then embody those words in the work that you do. Be the hands and feet of Christ, as I mentioned earlier, to all of those around you. Bottom line, feed his sheep. All right. I really did have a lot of fun preparing for this episode. I probably will not dive back into this topic of numbers again. No promises, but probably not. But I am hopeful that you find it useful and that you join us again next week on The Middle Podcast. God bless and have a great week.